0: On the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: And good morning from the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Nice to be with you. And look uh, at the bright, yeah.
2: beautiful blue sky.
3: I
1: know, but look at the temp.
3: I Holy was going to say, I've got cow.
1: long underwear on, and I it's spring. I <laughs> couldn't wait for my car seat to warm up on the way in. <laughs> oh, Lord. But it was you something need like a remote, minus seven.
2: You need a remote control for your car. Yeah. So you you're can right. stand inside the kitchen with your yeah. coffee and just press it, and the car starts. Oh, that's. And everything was warming up. That's you. really for rich
1: folk. No, you know. I don't no. think so. Oh, you put it on your Christmas list or your birthday.
2: <laughs> actually, put it on your birthday oh, list. All right, it, it Good can't idea. be that expensive.
1: Well, here we are uh, for the was it twenty fourth day of uh, um, uh, the March.
2: third month of the and 2018 just before we theater. went on the air,
1: we're checking all the stats for. Earth Hour, Tonight. which we'll maybe get to in just a little bit. Let me get the phone numbers yeah. on the air because um, oftentimes we get yakking away and I <laughs> <laughs> forget to do my job. Okay, here we are in uh, Toronto. Please, if you'd like to uh, reach Charlie Dovin. Okay, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll free, one eight six six 740 4740 Keep in mind our little mantra, which goes, Call early, call often one question per call, and hey, Patrolman Proctor, I, I, get, I jump on my bike and pull you over to the side of the road, yeah. try and sneak an extra one in there, <laughs> and if you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian, our operator, know, and then when you get to the air, that will precede oh, your arrival. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Which, is,
2: which is the big welcome
1: wings. You get your garden wings. You got G- it. G-
2: everybody needs garden wings. Well, sure. So you can kind of fly, hover above the garden, get a good sense of what's working, what's not working, okay. think about changes, yeah, yeah. call into the show, hire me, whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, too. Okay, okay. Yeah. Make a note of all these things we're going to right. talk
2: about in a little bit, but for now, a <laughs> okay. couple of announcements. The Hamilton and Burlington Rose yeah. Society will be meeting tomorrow, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, at the Royal Botanical Garden Center, located in at 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. They're in rooms three and four. The speaker is Alex Henderson, and he's going to Uh, update everybody on the opening of the new Rose Garden at the RBG, which is actually quite exciting. Of course, everyone is welcome to attend. There's no entrance fees, parking fees, nothing like that. So join fellow Rosarians at the RBG on this beautiful, sunshiny, chilly day tomorrow and uh, learn about some of the more beautiful gardens that are being installed on site there Mm -hmm. and updated. I mean, there always was a Rose Garden, but it's very old-fashioned. There were some very old roses in there that just were not getting the maintenance they needed and they were not looking good. Um, Coming up this week on Tuesday evening at 7.30 p.m., the Bronte Hort Society is hosting um, our friend Stephen Biggs. Stephen Biggs, he's the fig pig. He wrote the book The Fig Pig. So Stephen Biggs, the fig pig on farm, food, and gardens. Mm -hmm. So that's at 7.30, the John Colburn Recreational Centre, 1565 Old Lakeshore Road in Oakville. And I'm out on the road. I start into my gigs, if you will. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do visit a lot of different hort societies and garden clubs, et cetera. I find, at this time of year mm-hmm. and in the fall. So my first one for this 2018, I think, is uh, this coming up Wednesday... March 28th, I'm at the Brooklyn Hort Society. You know, oh, Brooklyn, yeah. it's such a pretty to the little east town. And a little north there. Yeah, Whitby, yeah. yeah. And you know, it's such a pretty little town. They've used that mm-hmm. town for a lot of movie shoots. Oh, yeah. yeah. the old, yeah. The, I remember going through there. Megan Follows was, there was some, you know, Victorian, that, that kind be, of a thing, yeah. right? And it was July, but it was winter uh-huh. on the, in the set. So there was like cotton batting everywhere in the town. It was very cute driving through. The snowbanks. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's not funny how they pull that off, but they do. So anyway, Brooklyn Hort Society is hosting me at the Brooklyn United Church. My topic is the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: Very good.
2: Mm, mm, that's at 7.30 yeah. p.m. Lovely town. So I hope to see everybody there.
1: Excellent. All righty. That takes care of uh, some of our announcements. Maybe we'll squeeze a few more in. You never know. Never know. Um, Okay. Uh, Meantime, we're uh, expecting, in fact, we'll be going on a little ride out to Scarborough in just a couple of moments to talk to Bob. So uh, hang tight there. Uh, Zuma Radio, AM 740, The Garden Show.
0: Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie, let's uh, welcome in from Scarborough,
1: Bob, who's on the line right now. Good morning, Bob.
3: Welcome to the show. Yeah, good. Good morning. Good morning. A, a quick question, not a question, because I know you're only allowed one. It's just a statement. <laughs> I uh, belong, I have belonged to a couple of uh, uh, planter garden. Uh, Society? Clubs in yeah. the area here, yeah. and also African violet. And oh, yeah. uh, I stopped going, and I start listening to you people because you're so down to earth. Because they, when they address uh, the different plants, uh, it's always in with the Latin name. And for the great unwashed, I don't know what they're talking about. But anyway, that's my comment about yeah, uh, you wanting to listen to you guys okay. because you call it as it is. You know, thank, thank you. Good,
2: oh, good. But you know, I, I was just going to interject that. I find that most people aren't that comfortable with Latin. So, yes, Latin helps us really identify what plant we're talking about, but it's certainly not normal lexicon for most of us. I mean, an African violet's an African violet, not a St. Paulia, right? Right. um, But, you know, it's, you know, I just, most people, if they know the Latin, they also know the common name, and you can usually bring them down if they're not being show offs anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
3: that sounds like what it is. Okay, my question is, uh, every couple of years I get two or three yards of topsoil or Mm -hmm. triple mix for my garden, and Mm -hmm. I keep a little at the back, so when I replant something, I put it in. Mm -hmm. But the last few times I've noticed that when I put it on the garden or the lawn, I get such a crop of of weeds. Mm. My gosh, the last year I put it on, and it it was more green on the the garden than there was in the grass. And I don't know, I don't want to put any fertilizer on them to kill it, but it just comes up like crazy, and from what I understand that these places that supply this, they buy it from a, one of the big uh, distributors, and they go into these housing developments, mm. and they buy the top foot of topsoil, that's right, mm-hmm. and they take it back and put peat in it and manure and mix it or grind it all up, yeah. but it's just, uh, is there any way of preventing that, or can you get some soil that's not full of weeds? Okay, so well two things. One is it does
2: depend on your supplier to some extent, yeah. who you're getting it from and of course who they're getting it from. And you're absolutely right, most of the triple mix that you're buying in bulk that's you know delivered by truck right. is just what you said, it's been taken out where there's construction going on and it's the that upper it's a layer whole of topsoil mix of everything there. Yeah, and it's yeah. when it's sitting outside, whether it's from where it came from or the big <clears throat> piles they make of it, it's just out sitting in a field somewhere. So of course, yeah, seeds, weed seeds are blowing in and out. Um, Um, and they do pile up. If it's properly cared for and maintained, it should be stirred often. And the stirring, you know, with a big front-end loader, that stirring mixes up those seeds, uh, kills them by burying them, also kills them by heating them up because they get buried down inside the pile. Um, It also exposes them up to the surface where, again, they're mixed. So when you order. Uh, quality triple mix, and you're paying quality dollar from a quality supplier. You should not be getting a load of weed seeds with it. So, if you've had that experience, I would try going back to the supplier and saying, "Look, you know, I had a bad experience last time. Tell me why I should ever buy from you again." or chat up in the neighborhood, see who else is getting from other suppliers, see if anybody else has a better suggestion. Um, the other thing that's quite popular these days are the one-cubic-yard bags. They, more they are,
3: expensive, too.
2: <laughs> they are more expensive than just the big pile on the driveway, um, but there's if you can't get to dealing with that whole big pile of triple mix in the first couple of days, you don't have to tarp it because it's all bagged and it's got a, you know, you can tie up the top on it. It is, yeah, you're right, a little more expensive, but it does tend to be Cleaner, I find. You rarely see any kind of weed seeds in those bags.
1: The joy about the show like this is the fact that our listeners are so quick to share good stories. Mm So, if somebody out there uh, has an answer, well, in the Scarborough area
2: might have a better uh, suggestion. I mean, there are. Only so many big, you know, suppliers of yeah. soils, but um, but yeah, no, you that that's just not appropriate. Like I would be going back to the supplier and saying, "Look, uh, that was a big mistake on my part buying your triple mix." Yeah, yeah. So let them know that because they need to know that as well. So, boo.
3: where do you get worm casings? They advise you to mix that in too. I mean, there are people that sell worms for fishing, and they I know they was one in Scarborough here, and they used to get a load of a triple mix in, and they would put, put the worms in, but they would change that about every every month, and then they would dump it out. But it's like gold, but you <laughs> yeah. can't buy it commercially.
2: Well, you know, every year, the Riverdale Hort Society right. does a worm castings fundraiser. So I'm just looking at their schedule here. Is it on the schedule? We'll learn more about that, or perhaps uh, Heather Sinopoli is probably listening right now, so she could maybe give us a call or shoot us a quick email and just give us an update on that. Usually in May, they do it as a fundraiser. Yeah, and you've taken of it. Yeah. And, and it was like $10, and it was like a oh, big huge bag. bag. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It, and they're very it's a very light bag, but it's very mm-hmm. large volume. So that absolutely great idea and you had good success with that mm-hmm. when you guys mixed it in up at the up at the cabin there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's wonderful organic matter for the soil. So so keep listening um Bob and I'm sure we'll have more to say about the the Riverdale Hort Society and their fundraiser.
1: Okay. Great. Thanks for okay. your time. Thank Thanks you for, for the calling. Call. Interesting subject matter, indeed. Uh, <laughs> and as, If you're
2: into worm poop, uh, anyway. <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> as we wave bye-bye to Bob, uh, I'll repeat those phone numbers because that leaves the line open: 416 740 or anywhere in the province toll-free: 866 4, 740 and look at that right around the corner Evelyn good morning welcome to the show
4: good morning Morning. Hey, thank you for taking my call um, on this beautiful day mm-hmm. um, we have an issue with an anthill at the front of our property we're south, south facing mm-hmm. and it seems like it's been there for about I don't know four or five years and we keep trying um, various things without success so I'm wondering if you had any recommendations
2: well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Ant hills so often are on the south side or the bright sunny spots in our gardens. They love the, the heat and the well drained soil that comes with those hot southern locations. Um, the older the ant hill, typically the bigger the ant hill. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the problem as well. If it's in, is in the lawn or the garden? It's on
4: the lawn. Uh, we have a hill sort of on the front of the lawn but. I guess the developer had put years ago. Yeah. It's pretty awful. But, uh, yeah, it's on the front
2: garden. Front, the, front lawn. Rather. Yeah, and the ants love that hill, again, because they love that great drainage on the hill. So, Okay honestly you 'll never kill all the ants like you just won't and and I've said this before like the best you can do is you can set up an environment where the ants are just not happy so it 's just one of those make their lives miserable and they will pick up their little babies and their eggs and they 'll move over to the neighbors and that 's really all you can do right? oh, okay. it 's just drive them off the property now, how do you do that well there's a hundred and one different ways to do it I imagine you 've tried some of them first off. I like to open up the hill. It just means using a shovel and digging down the top, yeah, four, six inches. Mm. Open up, you know, lift that soil up out of the way. Of course, panic attack, you know, the, pa- the, the whole hill erupts in panic. The adult ants are grabbing the little babies and their eggs and pupa and running around trying to save them from you. So once you've got it opened, you've got a couple options. One is boiling water. So you've got to have standing by, you know, right away, as soon as you open up that hill, that hot pot or kettle of boiling water to pour in just again you're setting up an environment that is just not happy for them sometimes people use ant killer which will be either a powder or a liquid that again you'll um, add into the soil that will uh, slow them down make make it a, 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 an unhappy situation there's the spray um, Bug Be Gone or Bug I think it's called mm-hmm. Bug Be Gone there's a spray that uh, Scott's makes it's a red and white package that can be <clears throat> something they do not like at all it's just pyrethrins but they don't like it um Cinnamon? Ants don't like cinnamon. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I go to Costco, buy that big bulk cinnamon, open up the anthill, sprinkle a good, you know, brown layer of cinnamon into the anthill, and again, it's like, whoa, what's going on? (laughs) Panic, panic, run, run, run. So it's not just regular cinnamon, it's uh that. it's just regular powdered cinnamon, the same stuff you put in your cappuccino. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's just regular cinnamon, and they do not like cinnamon. I don't know why. There's something about cinnamon. I, maybe it's microscopically scratchy, or uh, it can't be the smell. It smells no. great <laughs> <laughs> for us anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, you know, like there's a there's a couple of things like that that, and and like I said, the best you can do is just 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 stay on that, that process of saying bye bye ants, move somewhere else. They're you're never going to kill them all, and frankly, we'd be in deep mm-hmm. trouble if we did kill them all ants are quite useful little insects we just don't like them messing up our lawns and putting those hills and you know yeah. everything dies where they make their hills yeah. so yeah just drive it just get out your little whip you know do a rawhide thing <laughs> and off the property over to the neighbors don't tell <laughs> the neighbors though <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: thanks so much okay. I really appreciate okay. it. thanks Evelyn for joining us here um uh, pardon me on a beautiful sunny morning but on the cool side our the hot calls keep coming in. We're, I know, but we're going to take a little. You break can stay here. out of the yeah. wind if you yes. can just get
2: tucked into a little corner outside where there's no wind. It's actually very springy out there. Yep. But as soon as you step out into that nice northwest breeze, gale force winds, it does feel a bit like February.
1: Just in case folks are driving along and they've tuned into the station almost by accident, you never know. <laughs> Nobody
2: would do that, uh, would they? No. This is a designated. You, you location. are listening to Zoomer <laughs> Radio.
1: It's the Garden Show AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown toronto back in a moment to say hi to shirley and colberg here on the garden show
0: fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio
1: yes there's my little darling charlie who is covering her ears right now because she sees me reaching for the (laughs) bell There it is for a first-time caller, Shirley in Coburg. Hi, Shirley. Welcome. Um, Good
5: morning. Um, I have a question. I received a planter that had daffodils, uh, hyacinths, and tulip bulbs in it. Mm -hmm. Most of the leaves are are dying off other than the daffodils. I'd like to keep it in the planter, what do I do to get it to reflower? flower
2: Okay, so the bulbs that were in that planter had been uh, forced to grow a bit earlier than they would have naturally grown outside. So they were planted all up into that planter. They were refrigerated for a couple of months, taken out of the refrigerator and sold to somebody who gave it to you as a gift so you've enjoyed the flowers flowers i imagine are are pretty much done but you do need to grow the leaves so that as the green leaves come up you need to allow those green leaves to grow as green leaves you'll cut out the dead flowers so once they're finished um, anything green you leave on uh, into the in the gift planter into the, the the container let it grow sunny spot in your window ledge Water only when dry, so at the most once a week, maybe every ten days or so, keeping it moist, keeping it growing as a green plant.
5: That the only the only leaves that are still green are the
2: daffodils. Okay, so what happened to the other leaves, the tulip leaves and the hyacinths? They just turned brown, and um, I took them off. Okay, so it could so the way it works <clears throat> if for whatever reason those leaves died back prior to fattening up the bulbs again mm-hmm. then they will have just shriveled up and died inside the planter so that's the trick the The, the bulbs are full of all this energy mm-hmm. where so that the flowers grow and the leaves grow but flowers take a ton of energy so they really empty the bulb out so that's why new leaves grow The fattening of the bulb takes place again. Once the daffodils are finished flowering uh, and you've got the green leaves happening, let the green leaves do their thing. At some point, once we're into frost-free weather and we're out in the gardens by June, for example... Take that gift planter. You can even take it outside once we are frost-free. Just let it be outside, let it grow. Then you can take it all apart and see what's going on. Inside, if those bulbs are just shriveled up to nothing, then they're compost. If those bulbs are fat and juicy and have some heft to them, you can plant them into your garden, and they will bloom in your garden next spring. You cannot get them to bloom again in pots inside your house, and it will take at least a, a full 12 months for them to flower again outside.
5: Okay, so it's either outside or nothing. I can't get them to go again in
1: the planter. That's correct.
2: Okay.
1: All righty. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Another but, satisfied customer.
2: But surely <laughs> you can go out next fall, uh-huh. next August, September, buy yourself some fresh bulbs, pot them up for yourself into pots, stick them in your own refrigerator, and then pull them out and have beautiful flowers inside next winter by doing it yourself.
1: There you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and once again, little Frankie reaches oh, for that bell. your belt. arms. Getting a workout. I, I know <laughs> that's for Barbara, first-time caller from Lindsay. Good morning, Barbara.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I was listening to
5: your show last fall about crabgrass mm-hmm. and and corn gluten, mm-hmm. and I <clears throat> I have a spot about forty-eight square feet. I I'm just guessing. Um, I dug it all up, like you said. Okay, I, I dug the whole patch up,
2: mm-hmm.
5: and and left it over the winter. Okay. Is it Is it time now to put the corn gluten
2: on? Uh, You're in, Lindsay. Probably not quite yet. You'll know it's time to put the corn gluten on when the forsythia, the yellow-blooming spring shrub, is just starting to flower. Oh Okay, so oh, you, but well. do do get a hold of a bag of the corn gluten. It typically will come with a lawn fertilizer mixed with the the corn gluten. It'll be called Crabgrass Preventer or something like that. Uh, oh. And do get a bag of that and be ready to go so that when the weather is with you, you know, it's a dry day and the forsythia are starting to crack yellow, which based on our current temperatures is still a few weeks away. Um, though we're talking double digits next week, so you never know. We might be getting forsythia you by first second week of april Mm -hmm. um that's when you'll get it out there and it will be quite effective bottom line is the corn gluten has to be present when those crabgrass seeds want to germinate and they're not going to want to germinate till the soil warms up quite a bit more and the air warms up
5: well i bought i bought corn gluten but it doesn't say anything about
2: fertilizer on it. Oh, okay. So you just bought straight corn gluten. That's possible. That does exist as just a straight... It's Uh, in a bag or...
5: Yeah, it's it's in a bag. No, I'm sorry. It's in a a pail.
2: Oh, okay. So read what it says on... I mean, keep in mind, corn gluten itself is by virtue of being a byproduct of the corn industry, Mm -hmm. it does have... It is organic, so it does have all some very important nutrients in it. It's mm-hmm. just not a balanced lawn fertilizer per se, but it it will feed your lawn to some extent or that area. But do okay. read the instructions on the pail. It should have tell you how deep to um, apply it or how mm-hmm. thick you should be applying it on your lawn. It should also be clear on when to apply Okay. and how far it will go kind of thing. I see. Right. Okay,
5: well, I was thinking about putting it on right away, but uh, definitely my... For <coughs> Scythia is not blooming. No,
2: no. You still got <laughs> yeah. snow in, Lindsay? I bet in the, some of the shadows. Well, actually,
5: spots. the temperature this morning is, well, right now is minus five, so yeah. I don't think that. The uh, forsythia is going to do much yet. No, the forsythia
2: still has its long underwear and a scarf wrapped around its neck at this point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, thank Thank, you very much. Thank you for your call. Thank you, Barbara. Okay.
1: Nice to have you with us on this uh, gorgeous Saturday morning. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Frosty, uh, but gorgeous. Yeah. Just a quick little comment about coming in on Saturday morning for me Mm. is a real pleasure. When I'm coming down the 404 Mm. and... I'm just at the uh, exit for Bayview Bloor. Mm -hmm. You know that? And you look up and you see the skyline of Toronto. Man, if I were a a really good photographer, I would stop Stop. (laughs) and take a picture. It is gorgeous. Yeah, at that time
2: of day. And it's clear. You know what I've noticed? And it's connected to the fact that they shut down all the coal-fired hydro-generating stations. Uh The air in Toronto... Year round is much clearer. Like you don't see that brown. brown remember we used smog, to see that brown smog, yeah. and you'd see it coming south, right? Mm-hmm. You sort of come down off the 401, and you look over the skyline, or where that's you know, right.
1: from that distance,
2: yeah. and across the whole lakeshore, you would just see that brown layer on a warm day. So I don't, you don't see that anymore, which is yeah, good. that's true. It's a good thing.
1: Um, a reminder of those phone numbers. I better get that on the air again. Here we've got a couple of lines open right now. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Here in Toronto, and then anywhere in the province, toll free 1 866 740 4740. Let's say hi to Jean in one of our favorite areas of Toronto, High Park. Hi, Jean.
4: Yes, I'm calling from High Park. Hi. Hi there. Hi. I just want to ask you when should we spray uh, trees uh, like
2: plums and other trees? All right, so you have fruit trees, do you? I have plums. Plums, okay. So yeah, the, couple plums. Okay, good. Well, and so, have to be sprayed
4: because otherwise, yeah, yeah. The, the bugs and gonna eat them.
2: You're right. So yeah. you have to get a hold of something called a dormant kit. So oh the, yeah. So that should be
4: sprayed mm, now or later or
2: when? The, the, it's all based on weather. April? Uh No, you could spray now. Actually, no. I wouldn't spray today. Okay, here's how it works. The spray. No. The sp- yeah. Spray is applied when the temperature is above zero. So the temperature must be above zero for 24 hours, no rain in the forecast, and and very little wind. So today is a little too chilly, but by Wednesday, Thursday this week, you should Uh be able to spray. Oh, okay. Okay? It's going to warm up a bit. I do that, yes. Okay, good. I will do that. Do it then. You'll be glad you did.
4: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, Amelia. You're very okay.
1: welcome. Thank you, Gene, for joining us here on a terrific-looking Saturday morning. But, hey, kind of bundle up when you get outside. It's not as warm as it looks. Uh, there is Marilyn in Ancaster. Good morning, Marilyn. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning.
6: Hi. Uh, dear Charlie, I phoned you at the end of December that I had got three amaryllis in wax. They're all wax. Oh, I remember, yep. Anyhow, you told me to take the wax off, and I did, and I repotted them mm-hmm. in four inch pots. Well, I have them all, uh, they're growing like crazy. Uh-huh. Two are just all leaves, the other one is huge, huge red flowers. Six nice. Flowers on oh,
2: beautiful. It. That's great. And so now they're dying again. off. Right. But let's. What do I do with them now? <laughs> okay, so flowers will finish. But anything green must be left on those bulbs. So green flower stems, green leaves, let the green grow and let that green grow all spring and all summer. So uh, what I'm I'm going to? I actually have amaryllis blooming at my house right now too. So I'm going to be taking my pots with the, the bulbs in the pots and the green leaves flopping all over the place outside once we're frost free so by the end of may i'm taking it all outside i'm going to stick it in a spot in the in the garden where it's a bit of sun bit of shade i don't have a garden uh do you have a balcony no all i have is a little patio (laughs) okay so put them out on the patio main thing is let them grow as green plants as long as possible because the Mm -hmm. more they grow with green leaves the bigger the bulbs will become so that you'll have more uh sort of guaranteed flowers next winter And all it is is just letting them grow as long as you can by the middle or end of August. Then we stick them in a dark corner in the basement or wherever, stop watering, and forget about them for two and a half months, three months. I'm going
6: to be going to BC to live. Mm -hmm. Can I take them with me? Sure, sure. When are you moving? Just in a pot? Like, it just... Yeah, by that time it'll be end of August, beginning of September, right. September.
2: So that's when you will have stopped watering, and so the fact that they're going to be in the dark and with no water, it'll be fine. Just be okay. careful that they don't get baked in a in a moving van that could become very very hot. They will, oh, yeah, probably co- will be, yeah. So just think about that. If there's some way that you could carry them, if you are you driving or are you flying? No, I'm flying. Okay, so there's just probably a moving van going. Maybe you can talk to the movers about having a little box. Of bulbs up in the, oh, the camp yeah. <laughs> with them. So that okay, now, <laughs> but the stem with the flower on, when uh-huh. it's gone, I, I cut that right down. Yeah, well, let it, it's green at first, so just yep. take the top off, just take the dead flowers just off. cut the top yeah. off or the flowers are dying. That's right, and the green stem, it's hollow, it will slowly start to wizen, it'll turn yellow, it'll slowly start to die down. So wait till it dies right down before you remove it. Meanwhile, green leaves are coming up. Okay, fine.
6: Okay. I've, ha- I've had to put um, quartz and everything around them because
2: they're flopping down so bad. Yeah, they do. Because they they're can. only little, little four-inch pots. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So they were very small bulbs if they fit into four-inch yeah. pots. Mm-hmm. Interesting in that they flower. Yeah,
6: I heard you say that they like to be pot
2: Yeah, they do. They do. But usually, amaryllis, I always think kind of six inches is the smallest pot we can fit them into. So, well, but you know what? You sounds like you're doing everything right. They're, they're sounding pretty happy to me.
6: Well, good luck do in the Do wa- uh... Do I feed them?
2: Uh, you yes you can now you can okay. and water them right through. Till the end yeah, of I'm going to water them today and feed them then.
1: Good idea. Good good luck yeah. on that move to uh, BC. And you can always keep in touch with us, of course, via computer. Just True. pop online to AM740, Zoomer Radio, and, and listen to our podcast. At even. your
2: convenience. You can listen live uh, on the yeah. web, or mm-hmm. you can listen to the podcast, which is a taping of the show that's available 24-7, yep. starting by about Tuesday, Wednesday after
1: the show Absolutely. on AM740. Okay. And, you know, we have two more <clears throat> first-time callers online. Oh, my Gosh, yeah. you need to have some weeds or something. Know. That's some serious We're, exercise. We do <laughs> We do have to take a break. We've got a lot of fine sponsors we have to pay some time to. Here we go on Zoomer Radio, The Garden Show.
3: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and fox clubs, marigolds, magnolia,
6: lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks,
3: tulips and sweet williams.
0: You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: Well, Charlie, we're going to take a little trip to uh, Mount Pleasant to welcome a first time caller. Okay,
2: but where is Mount Pleasant?
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, both, of, both of us looked at the screen and said, gee, uh, <laughs> not the cemetery. No, no, that has to no. be. So, no. Lynn, where are you located?
2: We're
4: about 10 minutes south of Brantford. Oh, we know
2: okay. where that is. Yeah. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question I'm hoping you can help me with. Mm-hmm. We have um, we have four-acre property and our back about three-quarters of an acre is all clay soil mm. and we are looking for suggestions for a cover crop. Okay. In that area, we also have our vegetable garden, uh, so young fruit trees and some of the vegetables are um, perennials like strawberries, raspberries, rhubarb, asparagus. We do have some residual buckwheat in about a 50 foot by 30 foot patch that just kind of reseeded itself. Okay. But we also have three beehives of which we will expand that. Right. So we're looking for something the bees would like. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. would be a permanent cover crop.
2: Keep oh. all the weeds down and feed the soil. Oh, okay. So, hmm. so y- usually, okay, a cover crop is usually something that we uh, sow for maximum six, seven, eight months, and then we till it in or, or at least chop it down, so that what has grown up uh, decomposes to loosen up all that clay soil you were referring to. So you've yeah. got things like strawberries and fruit trees all growing into that clay soil now. Yes. Okay. So yes, cover crops. Um, It would be more just almost like having a fallow field if you were to sow something that will stay there as a permanent crop, as a permanent cover. Feed, you know, obviously supporting the pollinators, um, slowly but surely helping to to make the soil a better soil. You would probably want to go with a legume legume family plant, just because they can, you know, take nitrogen out of the air. They have deep tap roots. They can break up some of that clay and over the long term really help loosen and and shake up that that clay soil. So your uh, buckwheat is an excellent uh, choice, and not to mention the honey that the bees make from. Buck- <laughs> wheat is very flavorful like very distinctive honey um, also red clover is very popular as a cover crop and very much of a supportive plant as a pollinator plant because of the the little flowers the bees love it so red clover or white clover but red is more traditionally the one that's put out as a as a cover and as a crop. Uh, winter rye is used, but again, that's not a short-term crop. That's designed to be uh, tilled into the soil. And an annual grass. same thing. Annual ryegrass will come up, but of course it will grow, then it will die in the frost. And again, in the, in the late fall or early spring, you would till that in, adding and incorporating all that organic material into your existing clay soil. So for your purposes of leaving it, you know, um, seeding and leaving, I'd stick with buckwheat or clover, one or the other.
4: Okay, so the we were considering white clover, so your recommendation would be good to go with the red if we were looking at the clover.
2: Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure why. Like That's a good question. I would need to look that up. Um, typically, it's always red clover that I see used as a cover crop. White clover is available, though, as a seed in bulk through the co-op, uh, and sometimes you'll even find white clover for sale in, like, a Canadian tire, Whereas you don't see red clover available at a Canadian tire. So I need to do some research to figure out which one is preferred in the different situations. But um, definitely uh, either of the clovers at this point I would recommend. I'm just not sure which one I would recommend more without doing a little bit of research.
4: Okay, Okay. that's very helpful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for calling. Thank you, Lynn. Nice to have you join us here on a Saturday uh, on Zoomer Radio. All
2: right, Um, I will look that up. I will just, uh, for everybody's interest, Uh, I will report back
1: on that for next week. All right, and here we go. Another first-time caller. Oh, Hey, that's for Sue in Wingham. Good morning.
2: Welcome, Sue. Good morning. (laughs) How are you? I'm calling you.
7: To find out how to get rid of moss in the lawn and a bit of a garden on the north side. Mm
2: -hmm. It gets very little sun. Right. So you've got a couple of things that are going on that are making that a happy place for moss. One is the shade. Moss loves a shady spot. Number two is the drainage. Moss loves a moist spot. So there's obviously some kind of grading where moisture is collecting in that area, or at least moisture is staying in the ground in that area where the moss is growing. So to make it a less moss-friendly environment, you need to raise the grade in that area, making sure you know where the water is going to go. You want to keep it away from the house. So grade away from the house. Uh, incorporate some sand. You need better drainage because you've got water or moisture sitting in that soil. And then the actual bottom line, too, is it's an acidic area for whatever reason. Acidic soils, low pH, moss loves So you need to think about raising the pH. So think about sand. Think about adding sand in such a way that you're helping with some drainage, making sure the grade is away from the home and away from that area. And some horticultural lime or dolomitic lime could be part of what you mix in, and that will be raising the pH for you. And all of a sudden, the whole area is going to change up entirely as an environment. And then you would, after that, at that point, get some triple mix, some compost, get the amendments going, and plant whatever you want. That's shade tolerant, obviously.
7: Well, I got a lot in the lawn too and I just got thinking I don't want to
2: damage the grass. I,
7: I,
5: I well,
2: damage. yeah, you, that's the thing. You, you can't, you would what have is there, to... Is there a solution you can put on the lawn? You know what, they do sell some stuff that's called, called you know, moss killer or moss preventer and it's, it is... A, a soap solution, and I never have quite figured out why soap is going to kill moss. So I mean, you could try it on the lawn. Uh, it is—I've seen it for sale at the, your, just your obviously a garden center or at a home store, a Home Depot, Canadian Tire. Moss—it's either called moss killer or moss preventer. It's a little spray bottle. So try that on the lawn if you don't want to dig up the lawn. See if that gives you any kind of satisfaction. But be prepared to get some shade-tolerant grass seed ready to go. To fill in, if you're able to kill the moss, get some good grass growing in there so the moss can't move back in.
7: Okay. 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 That's fine. I thank you very kindly. You're very welcome. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you, Sue. Uh, from Wingham, uh, that actually was the first uh, – I went up to the television station, the very first time I auditioned for auditioned? A, a job in radio. and CK, really? CKNX, I do believe. And I so like they as gave an a, announcer, you did yeah, an audition. Yeah. Wow! I was seventeen, and and they Aww. gave me a newscast to read a five no a two minute newscast. <laughs> Correction, it was a five minute newscast. I read it in two and a half minutes. I was so nervous. You didn't breathe once. <laughs> no, yeah, you just, no. and you know something? We have two more first time callers hanging on the line. Wow, Sylvia and Hillary, don't go. We were coming right back at you here on the Garden Show. <laughs>
0: change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio and charlie
1: it's been a record-setting day let's uh, welcome now well, how how do you mean record? well as far as first-time callers are concerned you're absolutely right look at this yeah this is... sylvia
2: in pickering welcome. hi
1: welcome to the show
7: hi um i i am i'm from pickering and i'm a senior mm-hmm. I hope I can get this all out because I'm nervous. Oh, you'll be. You're you're um, uh, I, when we moved here, um, I I put in a garden and it was really beautiful. And the Horticultural Society gave me one of those little signs that you put in. Nice, yeah. So that people can see that they've looked at it and they Mm. approve of it
2: or whatever. Yeah, it's a recognition, yeah.
7: Yeah. And, um... After a few years, uh, the city came and widened the road,
2: mm-hmm.
7: and they took about half of our front lawn, mm-hmm. and after that they put down new sod, mm-hmm. um, but uh, unfortunately it was full of weed seed. Mm-hmm. And after the weeds started coming up, I tried to dig them up, um, but I, I, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was too hard. I'm a senior. Yeah, yeah it's and, horrible soil. And um, someone told me that um, the city could help, Mm-hmm. But I called them many times, and finally they said it was my problem. And the problem is that the, it, it's not just on my property. It's it's up the road, right. and next door is so bad, and they can't do anything about it. So we've been trying to dig out theirs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, we were thinking of tilling it and and seeing if that would work. And my daughter said, "Well, if you do that, then all the seeds will just be turned over or whatever." Yeah,
2: yeah. you couldn't. You wouldn't till it with the weeds alive, because all you're going to do is make it a better, happier place, and the weeds will grow even more. And depending on how you want to do this, I mean, obviously you could hire a lawn care company who you know young, strong people who will come in and do do the kind of labor that needs to be done in terms terms of removing, getting some good soil, getting some proper, you know, sod into weed-free soil and get it all established for your entire road. Or you could get out Roundup early this spring, like early in the season when the weeds are just starting to grow, get the Roundup out. You can buy that at your local Canadian Tire, spray that onto those young weeds as they're starting to come up. If there's grass there, you're going to kill the grass, you're going to kill the weeds, you're going to kill everything you spray. Once everything's dead, which is going to take, you know, a couple of days after the day you spray it, then you can till and then you can either reseed or re But don't do any tilling uh, or uh, unless everything's dead, or be prepared to lift it all out and have somebody drive it away to to the landfill.
1: What about black plastic?
2: Put it be down hard, at the front electric. of the home like that. It would be. Hard, it wouldn't look very nice. It'd uh. be slippery if people step on it. Like it's one of those. It's too. And it's city property right. too. Oh, right. I mean that's the thing. The city is making the homeowner responsible for maintaining city property, which they do all over yeah. the world, as far as I know. So yeah, Sylvia, not easy answers there. Um, Expect. To hire the, the turf care people, but they can do a good job for you, and you can just sit back and drink your tea and watch, or get, you know, some roundup, some equipment, and get working on killing the weeds before you try fixing the area.
1: Right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Thank Thanks. you so much, Sylvia. And don't be a stranger. We'd That's love right. to hear back. That's Coffee's from you. always on. You got it. Uh, quickly, let's, yeah, uh, get let's get to our final call fast. here. What's uh, the Coburg show? Go. Hillary from Goldberg. Good Hello. Morning. Good morning.
4: Hi, Charlie. Hello, Hilary. I actually worked with you 30 years ago at White Rose. Oh,
2: well, nice to chat again.
4: (laughs) Um, Anyways, i got a fiddle leaf fig tree as a gift, Mm -hmm. and it's in a 16-inch pot, Mm -hmm. and it's just a root ball in there. Mm. And I need some advice about transplanting it.
2: Do you want it to get bigger, the actual plant, to get yeah. bigger? Okay, so can you get a bigger pot than the 16-inch? Yeah, yeah. So how much bigger do I go? Uh, not a lot bigger. You'll probably be able to go to a 20. I don't see 18-inch pots very often. So a 20-inch pot would be optimal. Okay. And fresh, uh, soilless mix or a potting mix of one kind or another. Okay. It's probably a pretty tall plant, right? It's it what, is. It's It's about nine or ten feet. Wow. So if you can Oops. get it outside, well, I guess you're going to have to lay it down on its side. So if right. you have room to do that inside, or you can take it outside once we're frost-free, you're going to mm-hmm. lay it down on its side with some help, obviously. Yeah. Um, somebody's holding the plant. A couple other people are pulling off the existing pot. And right. then examine the roots. If there's a lot of spiraling and a girdling going on with those roots, be prepared to do some pruning and trimming of the roots to okay. Try and you know, the, the figs are super um, vigorous. It's very hard to kill them. You can remove up to twenty percent of the roots if you need to, in okay. order to make room for fresh soil into that slightly bigger pot, and then you know, obviously into the bigger pot, well watered, and back into its happy place. Uh, that's okay. what I would do. It's and they're a very very trendy plant. They're in all the magazines right now. I know. So you're right I on am, trend. <laughs> I have really high ceilings, so it looks really really beautiful. Excellent. Um, no, thanks, uh, Hillary. We've got to let you go just because we're down to mere seconds here on the show. Thanks for calling, though. Call, call
1: back again, yeah. though. Next week, we might hear from you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cheap. And a good show, Charlie.
2: Yeah, it's been a fast show. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? But it was the first time caller show, and it was the Coburg show. So, <laughs> welcome Coburg. Call anytime. You got it. And uh, yeah, so you're busy. You're back on there. One thirty. In a couple I'm
1: hours. back and have have lots of fun uh, for this afternoon. Excellent. You always have fun, and some wonderful timeless hits too.
2: Oh, not to yeah. mention. All right. Well, thank you, Frank. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, couldn't do it without Sebastian or any of our great callers. So thanks, everyone. See you all again next week.
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.